morning, church. Long, long ago, when I was an eighth grader at Hearst Junior High, I never would have acknowledged publicly, but privately, I would have had to admit that I enjoy watching from time to time the family uh, television show known as the Brady Bunch. <laughs> the series revolved around this, this large blended family, uh, three boys, uh, Greg, Bobby, Peter, uh, three girls, Marcia, who frankly I thought was kind of cute. Now, this is before Jana. Okay, she was at Bedford Junior High. I was at Hearst. We didn't know each other at that time. And then Jan, who was always uh, jealous and, and kind of mocking, Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. And then, the, the, frankly, the, the favorite of the family for me was, was little Cindy. They all were lovingly loved and led by mom and dad, Mike and Carol Brady, uh, with the assistance of the ever-present and always wise housekeeper, Alice. When the show debuted back in 1969, it was at this time of year that there was a particular episode in which Alice and Mr. Brady were doing what you've been doing. They were preparing for Christmas. They're in the kitchen, wrapping gifts, when Mrs. Brady comes in with some very unexpected news. Let's watch. There. How's that for a masterpiece? Alice, you did such a beautiful job with that. I'm going to let you help me with this one. Oh, Mrs. Brady is really going to be thrilled with that tape recorder. Well, she's been rehearsing her solo day and night for the church service Christmas morning. Thought she'd get a kick out of putting her voice on tape. We better get this wrapped before she gets back from choir practice. She's really thrilled about singing that solo. I hope they like her. Are you kidding? She's going to knock that congregation right out of their pews. <laughs> you have a way of putting things in. Here, I need your finger. Press down hard, right there. Okay. I don't know how Mrs. Brady does it. And besides all that singing, she's been dressing Christmas cards, shopping. Alice. Yeah, I guess the singing gives her something to think about while she's doing everything else. <laughs> then how's that going to look? Alice. Yes, Mr. Brady? Alice, I hate to be a spoil sport, but I need that finger. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, I gotta remember how I did that. One of these days, I'm gonna meet an eligible bachelor, and I. Well, hi, Miss Brady. Hi, honey. What's wrong? I can't talk. She can't talk. You lost your voice? Oh my. The Christmas service. How are you gonna sing without a voice? <laughs> the sounds of silence. The first point on our outline this morning. It wasn't just in the Brady household that things had gone quiet. And Carol Brady was not the only voice, the one who lost her voice leading up to Christmas. So too did the priest that we find story in Luke, the first chapter, by the name of Zechariah. Pastor Jason introduced us to Zechariah several weeks ago. Uh, he and his wife, Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, had been faithful uh, followers of the, the Lord for a long time. In, in fact, which, by the way, just let me step, step aside a second. And we'd hope that they were going to be here today. But she, uh, she took a fall this week. And it is, it is okay as she is home recuperating. But Jean and Wilma Rogers, who sits about the third row from the back in this section every Sunday, and have done so for decades, this week celebrate 70 years of marriage. Yeah. 
So those of you that know them, you might want to drop them a card, give them a call, but, but, but they have been so faithful to one another, to the church, to the Lord through these decades. Well, that, that's kind of Zechariah and, and, uh, and Elizabeth. And the difference is the biblical characters here, this biblical couple, they'd been unable to have children. And so it was one day when Zechariah was doing his priestly duties, this, this angel we later determined or discerned was, was Gabriel, uh, suddenly appeared and the scripture says in Luke 1, beginning in verse 12, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. Verse 16, many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then Zechariah, so uncertain, asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? How can this be? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Notice he was smart enough not to call her old. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at the proper time. Zechariah's voice went silent because he did not believe. And I wonder so many times during this season if, if we too, our voices that, that are usually occupied in talking about everything under the sun suddenly go silent when it comes to telling the reason or the real story of Christmas. In fact, I may get, I may get fired from teaching preschoolers because of the story I told two weeks ago. Uh, Laura Ocker is here. She, she's she's lead teacher. Uh, I actually rotate between our two campuses. I get to be at four and five-year-olds every week. And uh, I told the kids here a couple of weeks ago, I said, okay, I'm going to tell you the Christmas story. And, and I, part of it I'm, I'm sure about, I, I'm a little fuzzy on some of the details. I know that God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, to be born as a baby. But now after that, y'all are going to have to help me. I said, is it true that, that, that God sent Jesus to be born? And he entrusted them to this couple by the name of Gertrude and Harry. And they're looking at each other. And, and, and according to Scripture, he was to be born in Fort Worth, Texas. And they're going, who's let this guy teach? I said, and so it was from, from Nazareth. They, they took an American Airlines flight. They, they, they landed in DFW. And they were met by this crowd of, uh, of excited folks that had a limousine waiting for them. They escorted them there. They had a police escort from the airport over to the stockyards area where they checked them in to the Hotel Drover, this wonderful new facility. And they escorted them up to the, um, to the penthouse where there was a, a team of physicians to assist with the birth. And Jesus was born and he was placed in this golden crib with this uh, satin sheets, embroidered pillows. And at this point, the kids couldn't take any more. They said, no, no, that is not not the Christmas story. <laughs> and then they proceeded to collectively clarify for me that God the Father did send God the Son, Jesus, to be born not of Gertrude, but of Mary, who was a virgin, but because the Holy Spirit came upon her in such power, she became pregnant. And when the time was fulfilled, according to Old Testament Scripture, Mary and her betrothed, Joseph, traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem, where they were met not with excited crowds, but rather closed doors. In fact, there was no room for them, not even in the inn. And so they found shelter 
in a stable where oxen and donkeys dwell. And it was there that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. And according to God's command, she named him Jesus, which means God's salvation, which is what he came to bring. And she wrapped him in soft cloth and she tenderly laid him in a manger. And that, my four-year-old said, that's a real Christmas story. That's real. And it's a story worth repeating. But I think sometimes we, 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 we don't tell the story because we really don't believe. Well, Jeff, of course I believe. I, I believe that story. I mean, I mean, I believe the kid's story. Your version is just weird. But, but I believe what the kids are saying. But if we really believed, what do we also believe? That all of us, not just our lead pastors, the staff, the, the missionaries that you support through Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, do we all believe that we have each been commissioned to share that story? And if so, why do we not? Do we really believe that those outside of faith in Jesus, when this life is over, will spend a Christless eternity far from God? And if we do, why is there not more urgency? Oftentimes our lips go silent like Zechariah's, because of our unbelief. The 1960s saw not only the Brady Bunch, but also Simon and Garfunkel with multiple number one hits, but one, one skyrocketed to the top of the charts by the name of The Sounds of Silence. This iconic song, at least for my generation, contained the words, Fools, said I, you do not know. The silence like a cancer grows. And we like Zechariah are foolish if we do not believe what God says. For if, if we were to be given the formula for a cure of cancer, we would proclaim it, we would publish it, anything we could to help eradicate this world of that, that horrendous disease. But God has also given us a prescription for the cure of the cancer that plagues every heart. And it is the gospel. So let us not, especially at this season, be guilty of the sounds of silence. For you see, every heart is seeking, this is the second point in your outline, is seeking a solution. Cindy was seeking a solution for her mother's problem. And she thought she know, knew who she could go to to get some help. Let's watch. Looks like we got here during that rush hour. Now, you'll be a nice little girl, and you'll get that puppy for Christmas. I can leave by myself, Daddy. Oh, I didn't want to exchange this present. You sure you don't mind waiting alone? Daddy, I'm six years old. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting. Now, I'll be right back, and you wait right here. Okay. Okay. What's your name? I hate girls. <laughs> a basketball and a BB gun and a four-speed bike with handbrakes mm -hmm. and a dart game and a baseball mitt lefty and a bow and arrow set and a... Oh, all right, Sonny. I'll do all I can for you. Uh, now, you just run along and be a good boy. I'm only half in it. 
house. Well, I know, but I have to go and feed my reindeer. And besides, there are a lot of other children waiting. <laughs> I'll uh, read this later. You might forget. Well, I'll never forget you, Sonny. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> You're next, little girl. Well, my sakes. <laughs> What's your name? Cindy Brady. My, but you are a pretty little girl. <laughs> uh, what toy would you like to have Santa bring you? Oh, I don't want any toys. No toys? Well, you must want something for Christmas. I do. I want my mommy to get her voice back. Your mommy's voice back? Mommy's got laryngitis, real bad. Well, that is a shame. And she has to sing at church on Christmas. Well, Cindy, I, I don't think I can... Oh, please, Santa. It's all I want for Christmas. Well, you certainly are a sweet, unselfish little girl. Cindy certainly was a sweet and unselfish little girl. Now, a little concerned that her dad was leaving a six-year-old alone in the mall, but nevertheless. <laughs> she thought she could find some answers in Santa, but we know that that which we seek is not found in a Santa seated in the store, but rather in the Savior. It's not provided in the things that we can buy at the store or that we can order them from Amazon. Or the, the song that we sing, the 12 Days of Christmas. If you've, if you've seen this recently, uh, you, you calculate that because, you know, each of the gifts on the first day of Christmas, or the first day of uh, Christmas, uh, true love, uh, she's seated back here, uh, gave to me a partridge and a pear tree. But every time you repeat that, you get the partridge too. You, all the, most of those gifts are repeated over and over again. You calculate it, and there's 364 gifts in that song. It's been calculated that if it were to be, they were all to be acquired this year, it would cost... Just over $200,000. Stuff. And see, the problem is, most of that stuff doesn't even relate to us. I mean, what am I going to do with eight maids of milking? I mean, if Janet were to, to employ eight maids to do the milking, that means we had to go buy at least eight cows so the eight maids can milk the, the cows, which is just more expense. Which makes no sense because that's just more stuff. But that's the problem when we try to find solutions and, and seeking satisfaction in stuff. You just got to buy more and more stuff. The story, is, it's actually worse than that. The eight maids of milking appear five times. Which means we're not dealing with eight maids, but now 40 maids. And in the 17th century when this song originated, it was not uncommon for a maid to be responsible for milking 20 cows every day. We have now not just eight maids and eight cows. We have 40 maids, not 40 cows, but eight maids milking 800 cows. That's crazy, and we don't have room for that at the house. But what's even crazier is when we think that we can find satisfaction and we're seeking solutions in the stuff that we can buy. And we get consumed with it to the point that it excludes and maybe leaves no room for the one for whom Christmas is intended to honor and celebrate. We lose the meaning. But in that respect, we're not a whole lot different from those of Zechariah's day. Jason, Pastor Jason, and I'm going to tell you, if you haven't got a copy, see if you can find any, because most of them have been taken. But this is perhaps the, the best Advent devotional I have ever read. Amen. Pastor Jason has done a remarkable job. And he talks about uh, how that the gifts that have been given and what has been done and that how Jesus 
the people of Zechariah's day, early on in the devotion, Jason talks about that they were prepared but not ready. They were prepared for, for a Messiah King to come and, and to throw off the yoke of, of Rome's tyranny. They were prepared but, but not ready. They were prepared to have this, this Messiah King to come and elevate Israel once more to its golden days like under King David. But they were not ready for the kind of Messiah, the kind of King that God the Father was sending. Or as Zechariah would later prophesy over his son, he said, you will be called a prophet of the Most High. You'll give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Jason knew that God was sending the very best gift. And it's why that he wrote that John the Baptist knew of the most valuable gift ever given, the Savior who had come to redeem mankind. And so he would excitedly give knowledge of salvation to God's people. That's the greatest gift. She is my one true love, but the fact is she is not going to give me. She's not going to go hire 40 maids and purchase 800 head of cattle. That they can do milking every day. Number one, that's uh, unnecessary expense. Number two, we don't have the room. And number three, she knows I don't like milk. <laughs> now, if those cows could produce Diet Coke, we'd be talking about a whole different matter. But the fact is, our one true love, Jesus, gives to us the greatest gift of all. The knowledge of salvation for the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God. And that is what we sing. That is where we find our solution. That is access, which you, if you never have, oh, I hope that today you'll receive God's free gift of salvation available as you repent of your sin and receive by faith Jesus as Savior and Lord. It's accessed and then we communicate it. All of that happens when we believe like Zechariah, there could be a moment in time when you believe what God says and suddenly the silence is broken. The solution is found and the search has been completed. And it is that moment also, the third point on our outline this morning, it gives rise to a song from the soul. The old hymn says, trust and obey for there's no other way. When we do that, we cannot keep silent. Zechariah couldn't. In verse 57, when it came time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. This is the season of joy. You've sung about it this morning. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be named John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he, he indicated he wanted a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And immediately, the scripture says, his mouth was open, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. So too are we to do this exact same thing, to praise him for exactly the things that have been mentioned. In verse 50, 68, we are to praise the Lord because he has come and redeemed his people. In verse 
70, he has remembered his holy covenant. He has rescued us and enabled us to serve him in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. For he's come to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God which is the rising sun, and that's S-U-N, but it was because of the rising of the literal S-O-N sun who would come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness, to those even walking through the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. The songs, the songs of the season, they, they were critical that very first season. For you know, in, in your Bible, now this is not in Scripture, but uh, for our study purposes, most translations, mine has it broken down into sections, and, and it kind of highlights or, or titles each section. And before verse 30, or before verse 46 of Luke 1, it's entitled Mary's Song. Before verse 67, it's entitled Zechariah's Song. Mary and Zechariah had a, had a soul song. And they could not help but sing. Singing is what we do in this season. Hark the herald angels sing. Let heaven and nature sing. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Sweet hymns of joy. In peaceful chorus raise we. Let, let all within us praise his holy name. Silent night, holy night, wondrous star, lend your light. Let us with the angels sing hallelujahs to our King. And let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord, who hath made heaven and earth of naught, and with his blood mankind hath bought. Noel, 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 born is the King of Israel. Church, that's the gospel. That's our song. That's why we find celebration. That's why we, where we find salvation. You see, you and I have been given a voice. And it is intended to be verbal. In another devotional, Pastor Jason has written how that John was always pointing people to Jesus. You know, people had, they were following John at that point. But Jesus, John was willing to take second place, become second fiddles, to step back in the shadows and always shine the light on Jesus. So that even on the day that Jesus began his public ministry, he came to John to be baptized, to set for us an example. And the scripture says that day when John saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, vocalize truth. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, for this is the one of whom I said. This is the one of whom I meant when I said. John too had a song from the soul. Your soul song can take on many forms. A couple of weeks ago, four of us drove down to Austin. In our church, Kay Baker, Carolyn Dean, uh, Robbie Busby. And, and I did not think of this at the time. But we were driving down to have lunch with uh, my principal from Hearst Junior High when I was watching the Brady Bunch back in 1969. Now, he is better known, in fact, he is one of the greatest principals in the history of Texas as the 25-year principal at Eldebel High School, E. Don Brown. And we'd driven down. These ladies had all worked with Don for, for years. 
And we drove down to have lunch with Don and Ann Brown. And we're in this restaurant, one of their favorites. Uh, but before we ate, we clasped hands in this full restaurant. We bowed our heads and we prayed, thanking God for his favor, his grace, for the sounds and the sights of the season. But most importantly, we thanked him for sending Jesus to be our Savior and to forgive us of our sins. And you can do that in any restaurant. And it may open up those opportunities that we've talked about all year long of gospel conversations. The, the, your soul song may take the form of going to a coworker tomorrow and simply telling that individual about all the things your church has done for families in need through Night of Hope. Your soul song may take the form, in fact, I trust it will, of inviting people to come with you, family and friends, to join you next Sunday in what, again, Jason has written in the devotional. It's the most tender worship experience all year long. It's my favorite night of the year on Christmas Eve. The form of your soul song can, 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 can be in any variety of ways. But what we cannot afford to do is to remain silent. Benjamin Franklin said, as we must account for, and he was quoting Jesus in Matthew 12, 36, as we must account for every idle word, so we must also account for every idle silence. Silence is the antithesis of our faith. That's why increasingly I'm trying, based upon this challenge of our pastors, to be engaged in more gospel conversations. I've tried more recently uh, to... Uh, to respond that when people will compliment me or say something nice about me, which happened, I think, once this year, nevertheless, um, I'm trying to have my response be, well, you know, just about everything good in my life comes from Jesus and Jana. And number one, that's true. Number two, it affords opportunity to, to go a little farther. But the fact is, you, you may not have a Jana here to, to, to brag on, but I'm going to tell you, because of his favor and his blessing, his grace and his generosity to you, because of his goodness to you, every one of us here can, can brag a whole lot on Jesus. That's what his followers do. That's what Ann Brady, Brady did, Carol Brady did. But that morning when she awoke on Christmas Day, so too there awoke within her this desire to sing her song. Let's watch. Sing. Sing? Yeah. At this hour? I can't even talk. <laughs> I just did. Oh, Mike. I'm not dreaming. I'm awake. I can talk. Sing, honey, sing. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the Oh, come let us adore. 
that episode appeared about this time of year in 1969. This particular episode was entitled The Voice of Christmas. This Christmas, you know, God could, because God's God, He can do anything. God could send Gabriel once more, as He did to Zechariah to share the the news of redemption based upon the tender mercy of God. God could fill the skies once more with this angelic chorus, proclaiming the Savior's birth as He sent them to do so over a Judean hillside. God could commission shepherds to rush through the streets of the city sharing the good news as they did in Bethlehem long ago. God could summon wise men from afar to declare we have seen the star of this newborn king and we have come to worship him. God could. But I rather suspect he wants you and me to be the voice of Christmas. And where is the song to be sung? Well, as wonderful as it is, and I'm so looking forward to Christmas Eve. But as great as it is inside, like Carol Brady, to do so inside the walls of the church with the stained glass, the greatest need for the song is elsewhere. God sent Gabriel to give to Zechariah a message who in turn was to share it with others. And we too are to likewise go into the community, the highways and byways of life, to the very utter ends of the earth to sing the song because you are the voice of Christmas. Amen? Let's pray together. You know, after that part that we just saw, it cut to commercial, and then it came back for just the final closing, which pictured Mr. and Mrs. Brady going to Cindy's room, and she was writing a letter, a thank you to Santa. Well, we're not thanking him. It's the Savior that we thank. Who came, born as a child, a tiny infant, who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross with a sacrificial death, who rose triumphantly from a dark, dark tomb, who reigns forever and is returning soon. It is the Savior that we think. And the episode closes. Mr. Brady picking up little Cindy, holding her close and saying that Christmas indeed is the season of miracles. Christmas exists because of the miracle. The miracle of the incarnation of God, Emmanuel, with us. Our Lord, we're about to sing that as an expression of our thanks to you for sending your son to be our savior. That we might have the knowledge of salvation for the forgiveness of sins as an expression of your tender mercy. God with us.
receive our praise as our souls sing this song. And as you compel us to deeper walk with you, commitments that will guide us, that will please you, then may you be pleased in this response time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.